First, first Thessalonians chapter two, verse 18. Turn there, would you? First Thessalonians chapter two, verse 18. It's going to pretty much be the the foundation of what I just want to encourage us with here for a few minutes. And, and that's in, in the fact of spiritual warfare. You and I are to to discern just what's really going on or in some cases <clears throat> what isn't going on because Satan has has intervened. Satan has come into some situation in our lives. It is a, it is neat that Paul says what he says to the church. He says it too here in first Thessalonians chapter two eighteen. It's a church that that's it's only a little bit over two years old, but they're a very mature church. He would make a visit to them on his third and last missionary journey, and he would be there in Thessalonica. We don't have a lot about what he did there, but we can see by the not only the fact they get they get two letters. OK, it's, it, you can see Paul and how how passionate he is about them, how much he he's concerned about them and loves them. And he commends them and affirms their faith throughout both epistles. Paul opens up here to them about past attempts to visit them. And Paul says here in chapter 2, verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians, Therefore, the reality is we, we wanted to come to you. He says, even I, Paul. And he says here, this was attempted, he says here, time and again. It was something that was consistent, persistent. We, we were we were trying to get there. And, and even I wanted to come there. You, you guys are in our hearts. But he opens up to a, a really, no doubt, sensitive issue, but a very sincere heart. He, he, he becomes transparent and he doesn't. He's not ashamed to tell them he doesn't hold back. Look what he says at the end there, the verse. But Satan hindered us. Satan, Satan prevented us to to get there. I want to I want to deal with that this morning. I want to deal with the, the fact that one of the primary desires that Satan, the devil, would have in your life and mine is to hold us back from from things that we should enter into. Things that we should possess and hold to in our lives. And, and the list can go on. The list, the list is just multiple things. It's about getting there. We have the greatest picture in the book of Exodus and in the book of Deuteronomy and the book there of Numbers. We have the greatest, the greatest picture of people trying to access or in this case, possess, the Bible says, the land that God has given them. And there's. There's friction and contention that comes about, not only from the people who already possess that land, but within themselves. And we see a generation not even making entry. We see 40 years of this wandering in the wilderness. But but eventually there's access in there's access. in. I want, I want you to be thinking about I want you to be pondering on. Where where has Satan clearly hindered you? Hindered you. Paul says we, we tried to get, we want to get to you time and time again. He says, but Satan hindered us. What would be something that you could be honest about? Something that you can be open with. 
that that, you know, Satan would want this for you. He would want this for you. He, he would want to Satan would want to hold you back. And, but God would want that for you. Think about things, just the best of God in our whole life, health, vocation, things that we personally have and hold to. But not only that, it would be also family, marriage, children, that, that there should be an experience. There should be something greater, bigger than what you're experiencing in your marriage or what you're experiencing with the upbringing of your children. And. And we see that Satan can come in and hinder that kind of stuff. Hold it back. Hold us back from it. I think about the best of God's purpose in our lives. Just holding on to the to the purpose of God, holding on to what his direction is. And we have an adversary that will do all he can. He's relentless. He is consistently putting things, roadblocks and hindrances, barricades. He's putting things that are stopping you and I from having access into those things when it comes to his purpose for our lives. That word purpose is a, is, a, is a great word. We'll look at it here in a second in the Bible. But I, I wanna encourage you to, to do something that we talk about at our church because it's, it's the opening words to our church vision. We're, we're a nautical church. I'm a nautical nut. I, I, my, my office and our whole church has lighthouses and ships and anchors and all kind of thing. I'm just, I'm just into this, this journey thing. And it's, it's neat because we're in a Navy town. We're in 300 plus thousand Navy people live in our area. And so it kind of makes sense. But, but the first opening words of our church vision is that we, we, we're staying the course of God. Stay in the course of God. His course, his direction, what he has navigated for us to do. And I want to encourage you, if, if that's foreign to you or, or it's just not something you deem as important. It, it needs to be because it's going to be it's going to be God and how he's glorified through your life. And, and, and I'm not going to hit. Don't 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 think of it just being the common ways. It's not necessarily about you becoming a missionary in in, in Africa somewhere. We always use Africa, don't we? You know? <laughs> a place where there's bugs. <laughs> people people assume that you know. Hey hey hey, you ever been to Africa? No. <laughs> then I tell them I, I've been to Hungary. I'm about to hit 40 trips to Hungary here in a few, couple of years. And Hungary, people say Hungary. Hmm. Some people don't know what Hungary is. They may think it's some kind of rogue, you know, breakaway nation from Russia or something, you know. But yeah, go to Hungary. Wow, Hungary, huh? Because I, I found there's there's purpose for me there. My first trip there was with Tyler's dad, Troy, and and it's been my it's been a passionate ministry endeavor for me for all these years. But it doesn't have to be that thing for you. It may be the fact is you homeschool your children and you're finding that purpose in that. It may be anything you, you can do for the glory of God, for the good of mankind. Satan will, will do all he can to knock us off the course, to prevent us from staying the course that God has for us. It's in Psalm 
20, the 20th Psalm, verse 4, that, that, that the psalmist is, is praying and, and blessing us with something. He's saying, may he, God, grant you according to your heart's desires. Wow. Wow. It's amazing to think that God could ever trust me with my heart desires. My, my heart desires mostly are easily, commonly lean toward just things that I want. <laughs> but that's what he's talking about. There are things that they got once, and this is not no carte blanche kind of thing. No, the Bible doesn't promise that. We, we wish it could. If God would just give me whatever I want, I would have had a Learjet bring me here to trust, trust Bill. I wouldn't have got into that crowded airplane we were in the other day. You know, if God was in that, if God was in that, all of us would be living life differently than we are now. We would probably have different cars than we have now. We'd probably live in different houses that we live in now. If that was the case, that God just carte blanche, you know, you just say what you want, just, you know, blab it, grab it. God, it just, it just, I tried that stuff and it didn't work. And believe me, don't tell me I didn't have enough faith. No, it was God and his will. That's why Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer right there in the middle, you need to pray your will be done. Gosh, his will be done. But heart desires are, are things that, that God has put into our hearts and we desire. Look, the last thing he says there at the end of the verse, Psalm 20, verse four, and fulfill. Look, what he says there and fulfill all your purpose. Fulfill all your purpose. Man, what a great thing. There is, there is divine purpose in your life. There is divine purpose in God connected to your life. One of, the, one of the greatest things that any person could discover and any child can come to learn, and as early as they learn it, the better, is, is that your life goes past your parents. It really does. A parent is, does... A parent does the wrong thing when it tries to bring a child to total dependence on him. Don't don't lie to your children and tell them stuff like, you know, we'll always be here for you. You can't promise that. I bury young people all the time who leave their children. You can't you can't promise them that. But God will be with them and for them to see connected to God. That their life is connected to God. It goes past. For me, it goes past Charles and Ruth Powell. As much as I had really good parents, I had a functional home. I had, I had parents that, that were there. Some of you don't have that testimony. And you found out by, by just the, the grit of trusting God, you had to go past your parents to find the security of the parent of Father God. But even if life was okay with you, you still, we still have to realize, we still have to realize there were, there were two sets of hands that received you into this world. It wasn't just the doctor or the midwife or whoever brought you in, whoever delivered you, brought you into. There was also the big, great hands of Jesus who was there to affirm your existence. And as good as your parents may have been, as good as your last name or your history of your family is, it'll never match to the fact of, of what God has for you and who he is to you. 
See, we get you and I get very insecure when we just look to our human surroundings and existence. We have to. We have to. Like like we heard during the worship, we have to look toward the invisible, invisible and what is spiritual. Gosh, we have to do that. If I don't do that, I'm going to I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to be in a place of just confusion, confusion. There's a there's a question sometime God has to ask us. And it's a question he asked Elijah. It's in first Kings 19, verse nine. Elijah went to a cave, into a cave, and he spent the night there in that place. And behold, it says this, behold, the word of the Lord came to him, came to Elijah and said to him in a question, asked him this question, Elijah in the cave, he's been there all night. God asked him the question. And the question is, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Now, the answer is Elijah was spooked by that Jezebel woman. It's amazing how he can confront hundreds of prophets and, and that kind of thing and go through that thing and have a great <laughs> victory there with the false prophets. But but this 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 woman spooks him. This woman brings him low and, and has him now has him now just hiding away from. And God asks him, what are you doing here? I want you to hear God say that to you. And I sure need him to hear him say it to me from time to time in different places in my heart. Or it may be literal places like Elijah in a cave that God asks us, Thomas, what, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Now, you know, I affirm for you to be there. But but because of the fact is you're in this cave, you're here. You're here. Now, Satan would love for you and I to stay here and not to be there. What, what, whatever there would be for you, whatever life in God and what he would want for you, 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 you make it personal for you. Whatever it be, it would be a, an understanding. It has to be an understanding that God has a right to ask that question. And in spiritual warfare, it's keeping us here instead of getting us there. Instead of getting us there. David walked up on the Israel army while Goliath was taunting them, man. Taunting them. Come on, I'll fight three of you. Come on. One hand tied behind my back. Come on. Any of you guys. Come on out. And they wouldn't go. And David walked up and saw this happening. He was bringing food to his brothers and saw this happening. And David says, What's going to be given to this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the armies of the living God? And David's brothers looked at him and didn't say, yeah, you're right. No, they said, hey, <laughs> shh, you left those few sheep to come out here and see the battle. David's like, what am I doing? Isn't, and then he asked this question, isn't there a cause? David says, isn't there a cause? This shouldn't be this way. But because they were here and not there, the Israel army was, was in total disgrace. Total disgrace. And I, and I think about the areas in my own life. I think about the areas in my own life that I've allowed the enemy to keep me here. He's kept me here. He's kept me here by fear. He's driven me in a cave like Elijah. Or like the Israel army 
in trenches, having no idea what to do. So the warfare, the warfare in this context deals with the very fact is that, that we get hindered. The goal of spiritual warfare, three things real quickly. The goal of spiritual warfare is, first of all, number one, to win. <laughs> To win. And I'm, not, and I'm not just saying it like some spiritual football coach or soccer coach, do you? I'm saying that, no, we're, we're, we're to win. We're the win. See, we, we prayed about it. We're more than conquerors. We, we, we ought to really understand we do win. We, we have the victory. Take it from David and his whole attitude toward it. We see it in Paul. It's, it's a victorious. We're, we're, we're overcomers. We, we have that in the Bible. We're overcomers. Second of all about spiritual warfare, the goal of spiritual warfare is to stand ground. It's to hold what we got. It's to stand ground. It's to keep ground. That was everything. That was everything. I, I'm a history enthusiast. I, I just love dealing with history. And, and, and boy, moving here since we moved here in the, in the old dominion of, of Virginia. Um, it's a lot of history. And, this, and the Civil War is very fascinating to me. Very fascinating. But, but the key to winning the war was to gain ground and to hold it. It was all about getting Richmond. Get, get Richmond, we got it, man. And Abraham Lincoln walked through the main streets of Richmond in that victory to, to, to be victorious in seizing ground. It's seizing ground. And then the third point or factor of the goal of spiritual warfare is to advance the kingdom of God, to advance the kingdom of God. We talked about the kingdom of God last night. There will be a test after this on what, what we saw in Romans 14, 17, what the kingdom of God is. And, it, and it's, that, it's that righteousness, joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. And you and I are called to advance the kingdom, to, to keep our eyes focused on the kingdom. Because as soon as you and I take our eyes off, off, the, off the kingdom, we, we lose our bearings. We end up in caves or we end up in trenches. We end up here and not there. So I want you to really examine that. We have to have the vision, the focus of the wind. I... I'm very, I'm very grateful to be here with you and hang out with you. you. You people have been great, and I just love it. I'm excited. I'm excited I was able, able to come here. I'm also excited I'm able to come here because I can tell you about a story you probably hadn't heard because I ain't never been here before. And, and that's about, about seasickness. I don't know if you've ever been seasick. I've been seasick once in my life, and then after that I found Dramamine. <laughs> you... You only need to get seasick once and it changed your life, man. It changed your life. We were out on a boat. Tyler, your daddy was with us and your daddy's no help when people were seasick. <laughs> we rented a boat in San Diego, went out on a boat. We, we charged a boat, our men's group charged a boat. Pretty much it was all our guys on the boat. And man, we're, I had never been out on a boat in the ocean before. That's why I am going to get sick. And, 
and, and the boat launches out. We've got worship music going, man. We're lifting our hands and praising God. And the boat, gah, 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 gah. you know, engine runs like that. You can smell the diesel. It's running. And the boat is just rocking back and forth. And my hands are extended to God because we're going to catch some fish. <laughs> That's what we're there for. As my hands were extended to God, as I saw the other guys, all men just lay, lifting their hands up to God. The, Seasickness is weird. It starts like the size of a marble. <laughs> My hands once were high, now they're at half mass. <laughs> because I don't know what this is. I, don't, I never felt this before. And as I ponder this feeling in my stomach, I know, I know something's wrong. Now it's the size of a softball. And I'm like, ooh. So I do the most spiritual thing I can think of. I, 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 I belch. <clears throat> Just to get it out, clear it out. The belch, it swelled into the size of a basketball now. And I know now this is not going to be good. My hands that were once praising God are now down and I'm not feeling God. I ain't feeling happy. I start heading toward the bow or the stern. I really don't care what it's called. <laughs> because what I'm about to do is going to be ugly. So, so me, assistant pastor, get away from all the other guys because I don't want them to see this. Now, it's, it's, it's up to my neck now. I can taste what I had for breakfast that morning. And I lean over this boat. And I had never done this before. I could ne I never thrown up and couldn't stop. And I'm like, it's my gosh. And stuff is coming out my mouth. I think I maybe I was supposed to keep that. Was that a vital organ? Oh, gosh, the only prayer I can come up with, the only spirituality that I can contact with was this prayer. God, kill me. <laughs> Seasickness is just it's just it's bad. So I remember the guys are now fishing and they're catching fish. Pastor Thomas, what are you doing over there? The fish are biting. I know why. <laughs> Because I'm chumming for them right now, baby. I am the reason they're catching fish. Oh, gosh. I, I finally stopped throwing up. People ask me, man, if I could afford it, I would have flew a helicopter come and got me and flew me out of there. But, you know, we got a long time to go. This is an overnight trip, man. The only thing that helped me was as I was leaning over that bow, stern, whatever. And if I squinch my eyes real tight, real tight, I can see San Diego. And I felt better. Because it was still in my sight. And I was still, still had hope I'll get back home one day. It happens in our lives. If we don't keep that sight of something, if we don't keep that our bearings and looking at something, we're going to lose out. We're going to lose out and we're going to lose sight and we're going to get sick. We're going to get sick. It's only when we see, see the hope. And I want you to see the hope of victory in your life. I, I, I'm talking.
talking to, again, the person who, who's just dealing with issues of health in your life. And the doctors told you, like my doctor telling me, is why I don't like him. If, if, you would just, if you would just do this, you know. Do, do you really have to have the buffet? And I'm like, yes! <laughs> Affirmative, I need to have the buffet. Him and I get into these little things. I say, well, you know, your blood sugar and, you know, you're taking this medication. You probably wouldn't need this medication if you just, you know, I'm amazed that he talks to me like that. And I still got to give him a co-payment for that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, but I know he's right. I know he's right. It's a matter of, of, just, of just some discipline and seeing, not just seeing myself here, but over there. It could be all the way from something like that health all the way to someone who's who who last night you snorted a line of coke you snorted a line of coke or someone you're you're addicted to to the meds you're addicted to the, the pain relievers and and, and you want to be there but every day you're reminded that you're here I want you to see the victory, the victory in spiritual warfare that you can have in Jesus Christ and how you can move, move that way. There's victory. There's victory in warfare. Pastor Tyler was talking about prophecy and the importance of prophecy. And so, you know, it's going to be Joe's going to be doing that in the or Yeah, one, one of the guys going to be doing that in the workshop today. Um, prophecy, understanding prophecy. Is, is, is important. You can write it down. I don't have a slide for it, but you can write it down. First, First Timothy 1.18. First Timothy 1.18, Paul says that because of the prophecies that, that you received, he says here, that in them you may wage the good warfare. What are you saying? The prophecies, the, the, the foretelling of God's word, the personal word, the word in due season, something that God said to you. It wasn't just the preacher on the radio. It wasn't just your pastor in the pulpit that day. It just wasn't the song you heard from the musician. No, it lit up and you knew that that word was prophetical. It was prophecy. Be able to determine prophecy because Paul says, Timothy, your victory in your work in Ephesus. And Ephesus wasn't an easy church plant at all. He says, but your victory is going to come because you're going to wage a good warfare and you'll wage that good warfare because because God has spoken to you from those words. I want you to be encouraged that God wants to speak to you. We Tonight, we're going to have an afterglow, Lord willing, like last night, uh, an opportunity to let God minister to you. Let him speak to you. So you and I can can find the victory. You and I can find the victory in, in our warfare and waging that. Let me just share with you a few things. I'm just done here concerning this victory in spiritual warfare and how we seize this victory. Four ways. Four ways we seize victory in spiritual warfare. Number one, there needs we need to maintain spiritual purity, spiritual purity. I, I'm talking about just just keeping yourself spiritually pure. Spiritually pure. It is it is a big deal. It's a big deal to come to a place to where you and I would defile the work, the vision, 
of the Spirit in our lives. And we can easily do that. We can easily do that. And, and, and it's various ways. It's, it's not just a, here's one way that's become very evident in the lives of, uh, of men, and that would be pornography. And, and pornography is, is, is the a direct way to, to taint and defile yourself spiritually. Spiritually. Sexual sins, Paul says, they're, they're the worst. They're the worst. They mess, they mess up your head. Mess up David. David goes walk on a roof. Here's a man who writes the Psalms, man. And he takes a walk on the roof and sees this lady taking a bath and everything changes now for his life. A man who talked about his integrity and his honesty and his, his life before God. Just, it just takes one being in one place, being here and not where he should have been, was there. He walks out and he sees this woman and, and, and just havoc is wreaked in his life. I believe this, that uh, Samson, Samson, Samson was messing up way before Delilah gave him that haircut. And I believe Samson was, was messing around with Delilah. You, you got this physical thing going on with her. She's not even a believer. He shouldn't even be with her. You know, so there's compromise. He's, coming. He's going out touching dead stuff. He wasn't supposed to do that. Getting honey out of the carcass of a lion and picking up the jawbone of a of a donkey and it's by the just the mercy of God he he he's able to sustain that stuff and have victory in that but it's a loss of spiritual purity David couldn't see right anymore and he didn't feel right anymore and that goes in not just with pornography or sexual sins it goes with anything that we allow to defile us it's amazing in Acts chapter 5 verse 3 Acts 5 verse 3 Peter's talking to Ananias who who could have done whatever they wanted to as far as how much they gave to the church. There was no, this wasn't no direct tax that you had to give whatever, but, but they, they, they had this thing going that we sold the property for much more and, and it was like making them look big and bold. And Peter says to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Man. Why has Satan filled your heart? How, how has that happened? It happens when you, you just hold on to spiritually things that are impure. You hold on to feelings. You just, you just move with things that are just not good. And we see that consistently through the Bible. We can also see that consistently through our own lives. A person, a person any person, any of us. We, we, we just kind of advance toward. We just kind of move into things that we shouldn't be. And the dangerous thing is you and I can move into something and become dangerously content with it. I, I, there in my office, people sit there with me in my office and share with me places that no Christian ought to go. And, and, and I'm not even judging them and throwing stones and I'm taking heed lest I fall. These are, these, are, these are people, men and women, who end up in something gradually because spiritual impurity. They allow things to grip their hearts. They allow Satan to fill their hearts. I'm not saying they're possessed. I'm saying you become puppeted by you become puppeted by, by Satan. 
Gosh, it's important. You know, you and I need to be careful. Three things we need to be careful for. And the first two, we know them all the time. But the first thing is we need to be careful not to quench the spirit. Tyler talked about that last night. Not con not quenching the Holy Spirit. Also, we need to be careful. The Bible says not to grieve the Holy Spirit, not to grieve him, not to cause grief in him and a grieving in him, moving into places, moving, having contact with things that we shouldn't. But here's the third one, and it's here in, in Acts chapter 5. We have to be careful that we don't lie. We don't lie before the Holy Spirit. Lie into the Holy Spirit. Got to be careful we don't do that. Got to be careful to realize that where we are, God is. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere, all the time. We're always before God. Like Abraham. Abraham. God didn't talk to Abraham from for 13 years. Ishmael now is 13 years old and God's been silent. And the first words that God started talking to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, he starts, he tells Abraham, Abraham, we're going to do this all over again. And this is what I want you to remember, because Ishmael is going to cause problems and they're going to be problems for history with this kid. Here, here's the new deal. I am God Almighty. I'm God Almighty, Abraham. You need to realize I, there's no one before me. And then he tells Abraham there in verse one, he says, now walk before me and walk blameless. Tells Abraham. All right. That time his name was Abram. Tells him, you got to be conscious of the fact that you're always before me. And spiritual impurity is where you and I move into a place to where, where we forget that we're always before God. So we need to secure spiritual purity. Number two, we need to have spiritual discernment. Goes to say, we know that. We need to be able to identify the devil. We need to be able to identify the devil and call him out. We need the Holy Spirit. It's a gift of discerning of spirits. We need to, to have the Holy Spirit help us to discern situations, whether they are of the Lord or the devil. Jesus resurrected. They're out fishing. They say, let's go fishing. We might as well go back to doing what we do. And they're out there and Jesus comes and he's out there on saying, hey, you guys, you catch any fish? And they're like thinking this. Who is this? And then they tell him, you ain't catching none cast over here. They've heard that before. Someone told us cast over here. They cast over here. The nets are just tons of fish in the nets. And John, the insightful one, says these words. It's the Lord. <laughs> it's the Lord. man. You and I need to be able to know when it's the Lord. But we also need to be able to know when it's the devil, when it's the devil. There's a, there's a great danger of stepping back and not discerning something completely to a, to a determination, discerning determination of what is this. I've only had a handful of these and I never want to have another one, but that's that's going on the scene of a, of a suicide. And there was a lady at our church back in California who she went to a family reunion for a couple of days, came back, opened the garage. He had taken a gun and just fired it into his head right there in the car. And, 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 and there he is, is laying there. I, I walk, I'm called and I'm walked up on the scene. He didn't go to our church. He didn't go there. We, we just had a guy a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, Navy guy who went to our church and done that. And that kind of thing just, just, just shakes the place, to say the least. But this first time, this is the first time I walk up on with the lady in California. And as I walked 
And as I touch the driveway, I'm walking up and I can see the car and I can see his head slumped over. It wasn't just the, the dead body. I've seen dead bodies before. But it was what caused this body to be in the state that it was in. It was self-inflicted. And as I got closer, I can feel darkness. Never felt it like that before. This was the devil. Somebody that makes a decision like that to do something like that has been induced, enticed, duped by the devil. And I can feel it. And I've never been the same after that in this importance of doing that. We, we, about four months ago, we had our second area mass shooting in, in our area there in Virginia Beach. Had a Walmart, an employee in Walmart shoot six, kill six, seven people. We had 12 people killed at our medicinal center, at our city hall center, another former employee. And that was the first one, and that was, that was some years ago before COVID. And, and that kind of stuff happening where you live has a has a way of visiting you. And what I mean by that is, it's just you just feel it. And, and the day, the Sunday after this happened, in the city hall one, I did it also with the Walmart one. But I remember doing it because the first time we ever had anything like that happen in our community. Um, I said, people, I want you to consider doing something with me. I tell you, I've already determined what happened down the street at the city hall. And I've determined to, to name it. It was evil. Our city was visited by evil. And there was such a release that it happened in my own life, but also even the members of our congregation saying, yes, yes, it was evil. That's how you explain it. It's not how a person grew up as a child. It's not how a person may have been uh, abused at his place of work. No, it's bigger than that. It's greater than that. It was evil. And it has to be discerned that way. We make grave mistakes. We make a grave mistake kind of just letting off, calling Satan who he is and what he brings. And he brings evil in every area. Of compromise. So having a spiritual discernment is important. Having that, that's going to give us victory. Two more. Number three, spiritual armor. You know that. Ephesians chapter six, you bet. Having God's armor. Having God's armor placed for sure, but also having God's arm armor active. You you move in the realization of salvation. You move in righteousness. You walk with your, the gospel of peace. You move that way. You wield the faithfulness. And all that is important to have as far as an active, an active faith. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8 says, But let us, he says here, who are in the day, and that's you and me, we're in the day, be sober. And we be sober by putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation. Paul kind of kind of deals it there and different than how he wills it in Ephesians six. 
He says here that we that we move in this hope of salvation. We, we yes, we put this stuff on, but we actively move into it, actively move into it. My, my point is, is that the spiritual armor is something to move in. Yeah, it's something to stand in, too. We stand there for Ephesians 6 says that stand there for. OK, keep, maintain, keep ground, keep ground. But we're also called to move, to, to advance forward, to seize what God has for us. And the last one, then we're done, is spiritual boldness. Spiritual boldness. So we have spiritual purity, spiritual discernments, the spiritual armor in place. And also, number four, have spiritual boldness. It's, it's like what Peter had in, in the second chapter of Acts. That was a different Peter than the little Peter who ran away and even cussed saying he didn't know Jesus. That dude was different on the second chapter of Acts because the Holy Spirit had come upon him and he was bold. He was bold. I'm amazed that it says about David, when David faced Goliath, there, there wasn't this typical kind of fighter face off. You know, they're sitting there looking like, OK, you know, I'm going to I'm going to win this. There's <laughs> a fighter. Some of you young people think he only made a grill. And that's George Foreman. He was more than just somebody who made a grill. He, he was actually the heavyweight champion of the world. He won the Olympics and, and, and hadn't been fighting long at all. And George Foreman would come up and they would have face offs. And the fight was over before they even threw one punch because he could look at you and make you feel what in the heck am I doing here? <laughs> Ali, uh, Muhammad Ali was very honest in, in an interview when he said he actually was afraid that Foreman was going to hurt him. <laughs> he really was. He said he didn't he didn't come out with it because that's the, that's the play, man. That's the show. Got to do the show. But he really thought Foreman was going to clock him because <laughs> Foreman was mean in the face off. But David and Goliath didn't have that. You know why? Because David didn't have time for that. The Bible says that David ran toward Goliath. He he engaged this thing. He, he initiated, he, with boldness, he says, like, let's get it on. Or like we hear in the fighting, let's get ready to rumble, man. And boy, and David is moving. He's running toward Goliath, and he's running toward him, and he ends up taking that dude out with the stone. Let's get this. That's spiritual boldness. I want you to let the Lord show you. There's some things you need to, to, to run toward. I'm going to give you a chance to say amen to that. You just say it, amen. Yeah, I knew, I knew you wanted to. You just, you just being trust bill cool. <laughs> no, I'm kidding with you. But yeah, that, there is that, there's that thing. You need to run for this. You, you waited here long enough. Let's take this out. And it's not just you doing it. It's God doing it through you. It's God making it happen through you. You got to hit it. You got to run it. Let me close with this. You know, God sends people as a pastor. He sends people to your to your church that help you. Some people he sends to you. You don't think that this should be the one that, uh, you know, that ain't one. You know, he sends people like, oh, my gosh. I, I had one. Her name. Her name is Jenna Stainback. Jenna Stainback now is in college now. <laughs> She's a grown grown woman. But she was she was about seven years old. When we had this encounter, Jenna was the only seven year old in my church who intimidated me. She just had this this kind. I'll be in my office. She'll come to the door. What are you doing? 
that's just about a board member or something. One making sure I'm doing my work or something like that. I say, what do you, what do you want? I'm, I'm studying. For, yeah. All right. <laughs> we, had a, we had a baptism. We had a baptism and Jenna was there. Because Gina lets me know she's here. She knows she's here. And it was, it was, uh, it was the beginning of the summer, and the, we have cold water. Our water's very cold on the East Coast. And, and it hadn't really warmed. It didn't really don't warm up to July and August. So we're out there, man. We're out there in, in May, man, having a baptism on the beach. And the water's cold. So the people are standing there, and the people are getting baptized. I asked them to come a little bit forward. And I told them all. I had the beach behind me, and I said, okay, this is a great day for you. Now, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to walk out and get, and get acquainted with the water. And then I will call you out. So wait for me to call you out, because the water's cold. And people are like, ha, 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 you know, you get a little laugh from that. So I turn around, the worship team begins to do the music. I turn around and I start walking out on the water and it ain't just cold, it's freezing. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I doing? I'm doing it. I, I believe we should be at a hot tub doing this. We do, we do that now. That's, that's what Jesus would do. We do hot tub baptisms now. We don't do that. But this, it was cold. It was, it was, and I'm walking out real slow. Oh, Lord. There was an old gospel song that said, chilled my body, but not my soul. I'm telling you now, my soul is now chilled. I'm walking like, oh, Lord, please, Lord, please. And I walk around and, I, and I'm, I'm turning around looking at the people. And there she is. Jenna Stainback. She has come out, walked out with me. And she has this disgust on her face. He's just looking at me like, <laughs> and she says to me three words, just jump in. <laughs> I walk over to Jenna and, 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 and learn in Bible college how to be a sensitive, caring, loving pastor. And as the, the wind was blowing her blonde, curly locks, I crushed Jenna's cheeks. I bent down to her level and told her to shut up. <laughs> you don't even know what you're talking about, Jenna. <laughs> now, Jenna did know what she was talking about. There were people on that beach this was going to be a great day. They were going to testify to the world that they believe Jesus and that he has transformed them to a new person. And how dare me hold that up because of my own inconvenience. Sometimes it's time to jump in. I'm not saying be careless. I'm not saying be stupid. I'm saying, be mindful that you and I need to see some things for the glory of God, for the glory of God, for the kingdom's sake. And, and when it comes to warfare, we got to win, man. We got to win. So let's win. Bow your heads, would you?
Let the Holy Spirit just affirm the truths of his word into your heart this morning on spiritual warfare. And I, I, I didn't attempt to try to even present to you something that you didn't know. You, you know this. Most of you know this. I, I just wanted to affirm it. Affirm it in this setting, in this weekend of, of this weekend of afterglow. I, I just want to affirm it. That spiritual warfare is important and necessary. 